0: Hey, go ahead and have a seat. That was, that was just fun. That was good. You, this, is, this is our youth band that we get songs from every Sunday. And it's awesome because I, 10 years ago, well, a little more than 10 years ago now, when I started, um, we were at the warehouse, which is mm-hmm. literally, if, for those of you who don't know, we were uh, once housed at Shanahan Junior High doing the mobile church thing while we were waiting to build this building and mm-hmm. so our youth group met at a semi warehouse literally just like behind our property touches our property yep. there's no there's no internet at the time it was a complete and utter dead zone so coming up with the music uh, when you're not musically talented is um, tough so i felt the need like we had to we had to have something so i'd download a music video that we'd sit in a room and watch it on the TV, and it just did not have the same... Like, I, I tried. I, I, it didn't work. Uh, so, thankfully, I'm, I'm just so grateful and thankful for, for the work that these guys put in, not to just worship on Sunday morning, but also to, to give it to us on Sunday night and Wednesday night. It's really cool.
1: And I'm thankful for Ryan, not only because of his great skill, but because of his fashion sense. And, and I, you know, I am not known for my fashion sense. <laughs> and so I just thought this morning, in honor of Ryan, I would wear my brand new... Hey, dudes. So uh, I tell you what, I feel all young and hippie. It's great. I feel it's like great. walking on a cloud, right? This is like wearing air. <laughs> Where have these been all my life? I, I, they're lovely. I mean, just, I don't know, is anybody all called Hey, dudes lovely? I doubt it, but they're fantastic. But oh, my word, just, yeah, what a, what a privilege to have uh, tremendous talent and, and tremendous heart yeah. uh, leading us all the time. So great stuff. Well, we have, uh, you pulled in today. And one of the things you notice as you pull in is you better take a good look right now Mm -hmm. because about once a year you get two weeks of of real beauty Mm -hmm. in terms of pulling into that lot and you've got the red buds that are going in full bloom. They just look absolutely beautiful. The service berries have actually already lost their petals and the viburnum are about to bust out and just make sure that as you're leaving today, you take some time to absorb the beauty all around us. I, I believe god created beauty and he created human beings uniquely to appreciate beauty and in the appreciation of beauty it it lifts something in our souls it really lifts us toward God. It shows us so much of who God is. So slow down a little bit on the way out and enjoy, enjoy that. That's what a red bud looks like, by the way, in case you're wondering. Kind of more like pink bud, but anyway, yeah, there two, it is.
0: Two Sundays from now, it'll look very different. So. Oh, probably okay. next, after tonight, yeah. we get yeah. our
1: little freeze. You know, this April, 90-20, 90-20. <laughs> Welcome just, to Chicago. It's just been fantastic. So uh, this week, as that, as that update came out, uh, we're just kind of continuing to highlight some of the, some of the things that have been there before. This one's actually old. Yeah, yeah, but it's okay. That's, that's not the one, but I can tell you this. Quest that's is one of the open. things.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Quest registration is open. It's been rolling along, so make sure that uh, you're getting those invites out because Quest is uh, a chance for our first graders through sixth graders to come and hear the gospel. And there's there's something special about being a part of that week for them. Uh, not only getting to spend time with their small group leader or playing games or you know watching the weird wacky stuff that we do on stage but but through the message you you get to watch throughout the week as the kids really grasp the story of the gospel as they start to cheer on the good guys and encourage them to do the right thing and boo the bad guys, and even though we encourage them like, hey, you know, they can be redeemed too. But uh, <laughs> but it is cool. It is really cool to, to watch. So we know we invest so much into into our kids because they can know what the truth of the gospel is. So whether they're first grade through sixth grade, get them signed up, get them here so that they can hear that and then spread that to their friends. And registration is off to a really, really great start. Mm-hmm. We, we do try to make the point every once in a while that
1: um, in terms of the price of camp, my goodness, when you compare it to some of the other things that you would sign up for, sign up your kid for a sport or even just a week of fun somewhere, uh, you're, you're paying about a quarter of what you would for anything else. So, mm-hmm. And that really just goes ahead to cover the, the, basic, the ba- basic cost of the week. So uh, make sure you make a lot of invites to that. We're already seeing a, a good amount of kids that have joined and are, are ready to enjoy that week. We've been talking about the intentional grandparenting group, and that continuing to go along. It's been fun to be on my own little intentional grandparenting journey. Four months old, going strong. That kid, he he cracks me up. And Green Lake, of course, is not too far away. I think this is the last full week to register, right? Yeah,
0: so you have all week to, to get signed up. I was just looking. We have 93 total registrations, which is fantastic, but we do have room for just a few more. So if you've been holding back, you're like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to go. Or if your kid comes in, if you ask your, your junior high or your high schooler, would you like to go to Green Lake? And they say, no, I'm not going to know anybody. Then sign them up and kick them out the door from June 4th to June 9th. Because I can tell you from 10 years of doing this that it doesn't matter if they go to a different school. If it doesn't matter if you know, they have never met anybody on the trip. Throughout this week, we're able to not only build into them, but they're able to make some friends that they come home with and and get to experience life with. Um, So make sure that that you're getting signed up for that this week, uh, because we've got a lot of really cool plans that are all coming together this week, some really cool donated things that the kids will get while they're at camp. Um, And speaking of donations, I just have to give a quick shout again to to all of you uh, who have helped us out in in terms of monetary donations. That has gone towards scholarships, it's going towards food, it's going towards a lot. And we had some more money come in this past week. So thank you, seriously, from the bottom of my heart, because it means so much uh, in terms of what we're able to do for, for camp. So thank you.
1: I like to every once in a while uh, point out just people that do things around here because you know everything doesn't just magically happen. We have a great crew of volunteers all the time talking about the beauty of outside and already Jerry Brionis has been on that John Deere getting out getting the lawn mode. Don Konjevich helps us with the with the hill in the front and Dave Papish out there in the main part of the yard so grateful for the people that continue to invest time in making sure that things are kept up going well we had uh, quite a fun week of celebrations we'll talk about that some as we come out of communion and into prayer but just a, a great week and, and, and so thankful for the people who work so hard uh, to see all this happen we're going to be continuing today to look at first uh, peter and as we do I, I thought this particular passage is a great setup for a time of communion today so it's literally what you see there on the screen minus that last line go ahead and read to us what we're going to be studying today
0: on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds. Conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed for the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and your hope are in God. As
1: Peter said, we were ransomed with the precious blood of Jesus Christ.
0: Without that blood,
1: we are dead in our trespasses and sin. We have no opportunity, no hope for a relationship with God the Father. But because of the sacrifice of Jesus, because of his willingness to obey his Father, we can have that relationship today. And that's why we celebrate communion every week. Just through the action of communion, you coming and taking that bread and taking that cup, you're declaring the Lord's death until he comes back. So we have stations at the front of the room as well as at the back. We have gluten-free right up here on either side of the platform as well as one uh, back near the camera. Take the time this morning to reflect on that precious blood of Jesus Christ that bought your salvation. Let's go to communion. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. God, we are um, conscious of the fact that you are always there. We, We don't have to pray, be with us. You are always with us. What we need to pray is make us aware of your constant presence. Help us to never forget that wherever we are, church work school wherever we are you are there with us and we are grateful that we can know that we're never alone whether it is a season of celebration or a season of heartache we are truly never alone grateful to you for the for the union this past week of john and allison dobson and to be able to celebrate a marriage that is uh starting off in a way that honors you and pleases you god i I pray for your uh ongoing blessing for them that you will use this marriage to form them to look like jesus thank you for the the recent birth of a baby to joe and amy schomer and, and for those those little sisters that get the privilege of having a a new little baby in their house god we thank you for the new life that you give uh godly parents the opportunity to raise an influence to look more like Jesus. We continue to pray for Denise Papish as she recovers from a really difficult surgery and one that your you guided the hands of the surgeon ever so beautifully and and her recovery continues. And we're grateful for that. She's so she's so vital to us, so needed to us and honestly Dave would be so lost without her he wouldn't know what to do. So i'm grateful so grateful that you're healing her pray for ashley de Gregorio at the loss of her brother and um, the the heaviness and sadness that comes when when someone we love has has life cut cut off early Um, i I pray for your ongoing help with her and her family lord god we uh, look forward to the ventures that you are uh, bringing our way the chance to be involved in camp once again and see kids come here and learn about you the opportunity to interact with families and see families see that that life doesn't have to be the way it is life in jesus can be so much better Uh, we are looking forward to the the time we're going to spend together with the students at green lake and for the ways that you are going to use that unique environment to challenge them in growth in ways that that doesn't happen as they walk through everyday life And God, we continue to be grateful for the way that you open the doors uh, for the LifeWise uh, Academy that will soon be part of our community. I thank you for the role our church can play in helping to to launch this ministry in this area. And God, I pray pray for the other churches that are are learning about this and are excited about being a part of of seeing this academy uh, be a central part of our community. Lord, as, as news gets out about that, I, just, I pray for your ongoing guidance and blessing. Uh, I thank you that we're going to have the chance to actually bring kids out of regular school time to learn about Jesus. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. And I thank you for your word. I pray that as we look at it today, uh, we will know more than ever what it means to look like Jesus and be formed like him. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So last weekend we sat in the study of of 1 Peter. Our focus that week was fixed primarily on Peter's identity. We wanted to learn some things about him and learn about him in the ways that that impacts us. We learned that Peter knew that he was called. He knew that there was a, a point in his life that Jesus had called him, come follow me, I'll show you how to fish for people. We know that he was chosen, that he knew God wanted him, And God deeply loved him. And we know that he learned from Jesus himself that his path of spiritual formation was one of crucifixion. That he would ultimately die by crucifixion, but even before that, he would daily die to self. He would daily die to ego. And that's the exact same path that God has set out for us. A daily death to self and a daily death to ego Jesus said to Peter and all the other disciples and to us, if anyone wants to be my follower, you must give up your own ways. You must take up your cross. And you must follow me. That is not an easy path. Nobody would would willingly choose that path, I promise you. But we are called to it nonetheless. Well, I want to start out today by, by looking at some background of this letter. Last week, we looked at the first sentence of the book, and I promise you, we're not going to go a sentence at a time through the letter. We'll go a little more quickly than that. The next part of, of the letter is um, an introduction. It introduces us to the recipients. New Testament books were generally written to one of two, uh, ca- one of two audiences. They were either written, these letters were written to individuals like, like Titus and Timothy and Philemon. Or they were written to a church or, or a group of churches. You have the letter written to Ephesus, the letter written to Corinth. In this case, Peter actually writes to five major regions, five major areas. We see this in, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. He says, I'm writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners in the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. So what I thought would be helpful for you is to to bring a map up on the screen, and I I tried to make this broad enough that it would give you some perspective. So down here in the right-hand corner, this right down here is the land of Israel. You see Jerusalem right there. You see its relationship to Egypt, and you see its relationship, for example, to Italy, to Rome, on through. This is the area we're talking about right here. This This is what's known as Asia Minor. Uh, Modern-day Turkey is a large part of this. And you see the provinces that we're talking about. Asia, Bithynia, Galatia, Cappadocia, and Pontus. So when you see these words, uh, these weren't weren't cities. They'd kind of be the equivalent of our states. So it would be as if Paul said, I'm writing to, to Illinois, Indiana. I'm writing to Wisconsin. I'm writing to Iowa. I'm writing to Missouri. So we get the idea of he's writing to an area, and within that area you have some uh, cities that we recognize troas uh, where where paul came from we have ephesus we have colossi iconium so these are these are cities throughout that particular region and and as you look at that area what you learn is that it was really ethnically diverse in fact it was even linguistically diverse lots of different languages spoken and all of these categories, all of these uh, areas had been they had been influenced by Greco-Roman uh, culture, and they were under the firm control of Rome in the first century. The order that these uh, these provinces is listed are it's significant. Many scholars for many many years have believed that that Peter laid these out to say this is the, the path the courier was to take as he took that letter throughout Asia Minor. And so he'd go from city to city. When he came to that city, the letter would be read in the church. A lot of times copies were made in that particular area and dispersed throughout the area. So so all through this area, people are receiving this message. One of the questions that many scholars raise is, so did Peter primarily write to Gentiles or did he write to, to Jewish Christians? And as you look at the passage, there are some words that kind of clue us in. Now, he talks about being exiles and being dispersed. And a lot of times, that refers to the Jewish people who are no longer living in Israel. But he also refers, in in the passage we read this morning, to their former ignorance and to the feudal ways inherited from their forefathers. We saw that in verses 14 and 18. Feudal ways inherited from your forefathers suggest a, a pagan past and not, not, a, not a Jewish heritage. Further, the former lifestyle of the readers fits really well with the Gentile world and not so much with the Jewish world. But there are undoubtedly some Jewish Christians in these churches. There were residents of Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia that were present at Pentecost, And heard the gospel from very early on. It's mind blowing to me as I look at that map just how quickly the gospel spread. Talk talk about viral. It spread so quickly throughout the known world without the internet, without Twitter, without Instagram, without it, just by the the passion of people inspired by the Holy Spirit, the gospel spread. Uh, The recipients, Are referred to by Paul or by Peter as exiles, as foreigners, as dispersed. He could have been speaking of that literally. However, I think there's also a sense in which he's probably talking figuratively. He's saying that we, we are exiles. We are exiles awaiting our heavenly inheritance. The main reason Peter is writing to these churches is to encourage them during a season of intense persecution. The emperor at that time is Nero. Nero Nero's emperor from from 54 AD to 68 AD. And And in 64, he decides he wants to renovate Rome, so he burns it down. Doesn't go over real well with the residents, so he blames the Christians. And I'll tell you what, people took up the cause. They hated the Christians after Nero made this false accusation. It's not too long after that that both Peter and Paul are executed. The reason for their suffering is both supernatural and natural. You see, supernaturally, Satan is always fighting against the church. It doesn't matter what it is. Satan is always fighting against the church of Jesus Christ. There is always an aggressive outpouring of evil against God's elect. We can never rule out at any time that we are involved in in a supernatural battle, which is part of the reason as we were leaving last week, we're singing, when we fight, we fight on our knees. We need to be people of prayer. We need to be people of prayer and fasting. These are the weapons of spiritual warfare. However, the battle is also natural. The message of Christ, this gospel, came with a moral message as well. It came with a, a moral code to an immoral culture. Look at this description from chapter 4. It says, For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, in passions, in drunkenness, in orgies, in, in drinking parties, and in lawless idolatry. This is just a short list of the ways of the world at the time this is written. It's far from graphic and leaves out acceptable sexual practices like homosexuality, pedophilia, and polygamy that were taking place in the Roman Empire. Hear what Paul says in the next verse. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you. We see this in our own times, right? That people want you to join in. They want you to approve. And if you don't, you get maligned. You get mistreated. People who choose a path that violates the creation order, a path that opposes the way of God, not only want us to condone their actions, they want us to join in. This combination of supernatural and natural opposition led to tremendous suffering in the form of persecution throughout the Roman Empire. I truly believe that we are on the leading edge of this kind of persecution. We live in a season that those in power not only embrace biblical norms on biblical norms, but they expect lockstep compliance with their way of thinking. Things have changed in my own lifetime in America. A free exchange of ideas and opinions is no longer acceptable the marketplace of ideas has less and less ideas from which to select it's happening more and more and more it is no longer okay to agree to disagree your disagreement will not be tolerated we see this especially on our campuses we've moved from critical thinking to mind-washed indoctrination Few professors will tolerate differing viewpoints and as a result, we see our kids going from youth group and loving Jesus to moving out into school and out of school and becoming indoctrinated in paganism four years later as the pressure has been applied. Part of the reason I bring this series now is because this is my belief. I don't think there's any going back. I really don't. Once a nation starts pursuing this course, again and again in human history, we've seen it. Once a nation starts pursuing this course, 70 years of darkness often ensues. A spiritual exile begins. Now, you can call me an alarmist. You can call me a hair on fire conspiracy theorist. You can call me a tinfoil hat loon. But I promise you, within my lifetime and with our lifetime, many in this room will experience a much more intense persecution. A far greater overt severity is going to be released on the American church. In this letter, Peter tells the churches and us how to prepare for this kind of oppression. Look at verse 13. Verse 13 says, Therefore prepare your minds for action. Be sober minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Look at that first phrase, therefore prepare your minds for action. This phrase is also translated more literally, gird up the loins of your mind. I'm I'm sorry, gird up your what? Gird up the loins of your mind. I wear pants. And so it's not possible for me today to gird up my loins. I I generally do not wear a tunic. If Ryan starts wearing tunics, I'm not wearing a tunic. I'm not. I will not wear a tunic. What I thought I'd do this morning, I went on the wonderful internet, and I found a guide on how to gird up your loins. So let's just say you were wearing a tunic, and you needed to gird up your loins. This is what you do. You got, your, you got your flowing gown going? You're going to grab that flowing gown like this and you're going to pull it around front and you're going to snuggie it up nice and tight, okay? And you're going to take that material in two, in two wads and you're going to put that actually between your legs and you're going to come back around and bring it up this way and you're going to tie it up. You're going to look like a dude in a diaper, okay? And you're going to have nice bare legs and this is why this is important because now I can run, now I can work. Now I can fight. If I'm going into battle in a flowing gown, it's going to be on my feet. Face plant. You had to gird up your loins. You had to prepare for battle. And, and Peter is saying, folks, you need to gird up the loins of your mind. You need to be prepared for battle. What an image If you head into battle and hard work with a flowing gown, you will trip, you will fall, and at the very least, you will be ineffective to do battle and hard work. You have to be prepared. Well, this is a season of preparation for us. In many nations, people get no real chance to prepare. The culture moves from sunshine to hurricane overnight. But for us, we've been watching the storm build for at least a decade the breeze is picking up, the sky is getting darker, and I promise you, it will get much, much worse. So how do we handle it? How do we gird up the loins of our mind? How do we prepare for battle? Well, we start with hope. We start with hope. Peter says, therefore, prepare your minds for action and be sober-minded. Set your hope Fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you by the revelation of Jesus Christ. We start with hope. I gotta tell you, hope is greatly misunderstood. When people use the word hope, I don't think they generally know what they're talking about. For most people, a much better word to use or term would be wish dreaming. They're not hoping, they're wish dreaming this gang on the front row pretty soon in about a month they're going to face final exams it's coming they still do those right yeah okay just checking just checking anyway got final exams coming we, we if we were to ask this gang this morning do you think you'll do well on your exams at least one of them would say well i hope so i hope so and so we might follow up well did you study no oh Did you listen in class? No. Did you go to class? No, I hid in my car the whole time in the parking lot. Hey, son, hey, missy, guess what? You have no reason for hope. No reason for hope. That's wish dreaming. Wish dreaming is cross your fingers, but Paul and Peter are talking about something very different. Look at Romans chapter 5. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. This is real hope. Hope is based on something. Hope has a rock-solid foundation. Hope is not wish-dreaming. Peter says, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter is referring to the future return of Jesus. Hope is based in what is yet to come, yet it is grounded in what already is. Christ has been here. Christ will come again. The return of Christ is often referred to as the blessed hope. We get this straight from Titus 2.13, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We lose hope when we think this is all there is. When we look around and think this is all there is, there is no reason for hope. Followers of Jesus always have an eye on earth and an eye on heaven at the same time. We see what is now and we know the best is yet to come. We live with an eternal perspective. We live with heavenly mindedness. We start with hope. Our preparation starts with, with knowing Jesus and with looking forward to his return. When we're too grounded here, we feel hopeless. I know a lot of my friends, I know I've been at times in my life, are, we're news junkies. We enjoy turning on the news to find out what's going on. I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. I'll say it a few more times before I croak. Little on Fox, CNN, MSNBC, NPR, or PBS is news. Very, very little. Commercial media outlets do not receive their ultimate benefit from from conveying objective reality, it just doesn't work that way. News outlets learned from sports radio long ago: keep them angry, keep them emotional, and they'll keep coming back. You say, but I listen to NPR; it's void of emotion. Hey, just because August Clementine talks in a soothing tone doesn't mean he doesn't have an agenda as well. Eyes on here especially through the lens of a screen, is hope depleting. But you say, I don't want to be ignorant. I don't want to live under a rock. I want to know what's going on. You know what? Jesus already told us. So it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. And I'm going to come and it's going to get better. There it is. No more news needed. That's the news. Jesus told us the news. He told us how it works. Can I ask you this? You don't want to live in ignorance, right? How much do you know about Jesus? how much do you know Jesus? How much do you know about the Bible? How much much do you know the Bible? Many years ago, I was in a meeting, and there was a guy trying to defend his position in a particular particular argument. And he started his defense by saying, I don't know much about the Bible, but... And I I heard him, and I remember thinking, dude, hey, dude, (laughs) you, you... you're almost 50 years old. You've been in church since the second week of your life. When are you going to get to know the Bible? When are you going to get to know Jesus? When are you going to get to know these things? You want hope? Immerse your mind in the Bible. You want hope? Invest your heart in learning about Jesus. You want hope? Give your soul to knowing Jesus. We start with hope. We've got to start with hope. The second part of girding up our minds of getting prepared is we don't go along to get along. We don't just go along to get along. We don't just smile and be nice and go along to get along. Peter said, as obedient children, do not conform to the passions of your former ignorance. Don't just go along to get along. Do not conform. Do not conform. Many choose, many choose to go along to get along rather than being formed into the image of Christ, they're being molded like Plato into the shape of the world. You know, it is really easy to take a stand on a moral issue when the majority is with you. You know, when, when, when the choir is singing along with the same tune, it's really easy to stand. However, at some point with all moral issues, they hit a tipping point this is the, the point that the astute politician with a finger in the wind uh, changes sides. So does the media. So does big business. Why? It was never about conviction for them. It was about winning an election. It was about chasing ratings. It was about bringing in the big bucks. I could give you a list of issues from 2003 where our nation stood Rock-solid biblical. Even people who weren't believers stood rock-solid biblical on certain issues. By 2013, you could feel the tipping point taking place. And by 2023, the percentages of public opinion are completely inverted from what they were 20 years ago. It is much harder to stand for biblical convictions today than it was 10 years ago. And it's much, much harder to stand than it was 20 years ago. The world is declaring, the sky is green. The sky is green. And the majority around us not only agree that the sky is green, but they look at you like you're a loon if you say it's blue. What's wrong with you? Can't you see that it's green? They make clear to dissenters that they better start to see green or else. You better see it as green. As obedient children, do not conform to the passions of your former ignorance our calling is a calling to holiness not selling out it's a call to christlikeness not conformity and this will lead to pain i promise you this will lead to pain part of our training part of the the girding up of the loins of our mind is resisting when it's easy Because if you're not resisting when it's easy, when the pressure intensifies, you're not going to start resisting then. We need to stand for the small stuff when it's easy. That's part of our training. We start with hope. And we don't go along to get along. Last, we embrace our status. We embrace our status. Peter says in chapter 1, starting in verse 17, And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourself with fear throughout the time of your exile. He says, guess what? You're in your time of exile. As God's chosen people, we are living as foreigners. We are foreigners We are sojourners. We are exiles. We are dispersed. Let this message never be far from your mind. I am not home. Not yet. I am not home yet. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. It's not in America. It's in heaven. Last week a friend of mine posted an image of a sunset on the Niagara River. I grew up in North Tonawanda, New York, and it was right on the Niagara River, and I can't tell you how many countless hours I spent on the Niagara River. And every once in a while I just stop, and I, and I think about life on that river. When I saw that picture, I'm not kidding, about, about 20 snapshots immediately came to my mind so fast of my life on that river. Everything from fishing to water skiing to snorkeling to tubing to watching fireworks come over the river to waiting with my friends, catching crayfish, I love that place, I really do. I love the place that God let me grow up for the first 22 years of my life. But let me tell you this, as much as I love it, North Tonawanda is not my home. It is not my home. I consider myself intensely patriotic. I cherish the founding principles of our nation and the people who secured our freedoms for us. I love America, especially the America of my youth, I learned recently that my Grandma Pap, Hermina Nagy was her name at the time, I, I, my Grandma Pap landed on Ellis Island December 31st, 1903. The Hungarian side of me just Landed 100, or just celebrated a hundred years of being part of America. And the Polish side was there longer, but the, Ameri- the Hungarian side, a hundred years of celebrating being a citizen of this place. I have documents to prove I am a citizen, and guess what? My true citizenship is in a different place. I am, from a, I am part of a heavenly kingdom, not an earthly one. Our citizenship is not as much about pride. So often when people talk about citizenship, they're talking about pride. It's not so much as about, about pride as it is about placement. Where are my primary roots? I may live here, but this place is not my home. My values are grounded in a heavenly kingdom, My investment is in the life to come, not primarily in the here and now. So let me give you a little illustration uh, of the way life works. I've loved loved having a grandbaby. It's teaching me so many spiritual lessons or reminding me of spiritual lessons. Emma was born on December 18th, so he's uh, literally a week old on Christmas Day. And to look at that little body and to think, Jesus was contained in one of these. It was crazy to look at those little fingers and little toes and think, Jesus lived in one of these and was dependent on a teenage mom. I mean, Riley is, a, you know, a grown woman competent. Teenage mom holding this little baby. It blew my mind away. i tell you what, Good Friday was intense. Watching those portions of the passion that we did, watching Mary look at her little boy, Look at her son, look at her son trip and fall, and then they do that flashback of him as a little boy falling and her running to rescue him. And to think of any pain that's gonna come to Emmett just it breaks my heart. So I was thinking about heaven, I was thinking about life on earth, and it and it struck me, Emmett's been visible for four months. But he was alive nine months before that. He's in the womb. The majority of his existence on earth is still pre-birthday. Right? It's still that time in the womb. Imagine God gave us consciousness in the womb. Imagine you were as conscious in the womb as you are right now. Imagine somebody could share with you, you know, hey, in nine months you're leaving this joint. And you're kind of going, ha oh, ha, love it here. Warm? It's nice and snug. I don't have to look around. It's dark. Everything sounds kind of cool. I can tell something's going on, but, but I don't hear exact words. I, I like being all curled up. I'll never be able to do this when I'm 60. I'm all curled up. My, my knee is in my nose. I love this place. I never want to leave this place. I'm going to invest in this place. I hear, the, I hear there's a great market for amniotic fluid. I'm investing in this place. I'm investing here. I'm investing now. Can you? I mean, it's 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 utter foolishness. I, you're going to invest in the nine months of your existence. Look at this, nine months in the womb. I read on the internet the the average lifespan is 77 years. Okay, and I know girls last longer than men. I'm just sticking with the 77 for everybody. Okay, that's 924 months of existence if I did the math right. Okay, and I did check this with the math teacher. So. The proportion of my life lived in the womb to my 77 years, if I live out the average, looks something like this. I'm told by a math teacher that even though there are a bunch of numbers there, that's a really, really, really small number, not a really, really big number. About a hundredth of your life is ex- exists in the womb. The rest is out here doing this. How crazy it would be to invest greatly in the nine months you have in the womb when there's all this living to be done here. But right now, you're in the womb. And you're going to be birthed into eternity. And I can't even put the number of zeros that would be in front of that number. Your life here on earth in proportion to the life of the entirety of your existence. And we're so foolish to think it's all about here. I'm going to do everything I can to make this place the most comfortable and the best it can be. When in fact, the overwhelming majority of your existence will be all about eternity, entirely about eternity. James says in James 4:4, why do you not even know what will happen? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist. That quick, and you're gone. Jesus said it. Do not store up yourself treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven. He says, the best is yet to come, and you keep acting like this is the best. We're exiles. We're foreigners. We're looking for a much better home than here. Past week, I, I don't know uh, what you know of the, the Christian world, but there was a really prominent Bible teacher, Charles Stanley, went home to be with Jesus, 90 years old when he died. And I mean, he's, he's just had a, a phenomenal ministry for so much of his life. Um, a guy that honestly, in my, you know, in my consciousness of Bible teachers, he's never not been there. So been aware of him for a long, long time. And when I saw the news that he died, immediately I had a few things flash into my mind. I was familiar with the fact that um, he was buddies with a guy named Adrian Rogers, who was also a really prominent Southern Baptist preacher. And I could imagine he gets to heaven, and Adrian, who's now been there for a few years, says, hey, hey, Charles, come on, I want to show you a few things. I, can you imagine that? Can you imagine somebody who's been around a little longer just saying, there's some sights you don't want to miss. Come on, let me show you a few things. I couldn't help but think of Kim's mom and dad. They, they loved listening to his teaching. And I could just see Dave bumping Adrian and saying, let's go get in line. we got to go meet this guy. This is going to be cool. But i tell you what, the one that moved me the most is uh, this woman from years and years and years ago at our church named Marge Hazen. Uh, Marge, I don't know how else to describe it. Marge was a hoot. She was a hoot. It, 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 she, there's no way she was five feet tall short little thing. She lived to 98 years old. Ninety-eight. She died in uh, 2013, I believe it was, 2012 or 2013, at 98 years old. Lived in her own house right up to the very end of her life. Um, Marge was, you know, her, her legs by that point were kind of stiff, and so she'd kind of come on up to you, and she's always looking up to you. And, and she'd just bring joy and cheer at everything she did. Uh, it was, it was kind of fun, the the rehearsal dinner the other night was at Al's. And my, my times at Al's were with this little lunch club and Marge and, and Vicky Bristow and, and all these other ladies that would gather on over there at Al's. And so I'm just imagining Marge because here's the thing. I know Dale Hansen taught Sunday school for her at least once. And, and if you're sitting in a Sunday school class with her or if you're shaking hands at the end of the day, Marge inevitably almost every week would say the exact same thing. Well, Dr. Stanley says, well, Dr. Stanley, I mean, she could quote Charles Stanley like, like she was writing his sermons, you know? She's just quoting him like crazy. And, I, and I'm just imagining little old Marge standing in heaven and walking up, and, and, and she's looking up at Charles Stanley, and, and she's telling him everything he ever preached, and he's just going, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Why, why do I raise all these people today? Because, because Charles Stanley, because Adrian Rogers, because Dave and Adrian Fry, because Marge Hazen, they got it. They knew this world was not their they knew that the minutes they were spending here were an investment in something far greater and every one of them have had the privilege of hearing the words well done good and faithful servant not what you didn't study for the exam not what you didn't show up for class not what you hid in your car well done good and faithful servant that's what we're all longing for that's what we all want so If we're going to be prepared for the pain to come, it starts with hope. You don't just live with your eyes on the world in constant pessimism. We have our eyes to the Lord. It starts with hope. We embrace our status. This world is not our home. And because of that, why would we ever want to conform to it? Why would we ever want to go along to get along? This is not Home. So let's live like it. Stand up. Let's pray. Now, Father God in heaven, as we walk from this day today, I pray that you would keep in the forefront of our minds that the day lived here is about there. The things done here are about there. I pray that you would toughen our spirits and our souls. I pray that you would help us to gird up the loins of our minds, that you will help us to be prepared for whatever pressure may come. Oh, we know that there are saints of the past. We know the apostles and others endured tremendous persecution. They they endured beatings. They endured mockery. They endured, some of them, literal crucifixion. And they said, I was worthy of the name of Jesus. Help us to remember our primary loyalty. We love Jesus. We are so grateful for the precious blood of Jesus Christ that bought our salvation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. We will see you next week.